today. You know, it's the uh, Sunday before Christmas. I am going to read the Christmas story because probably this happens a lot. Uh, a lot of Christians, oh yeah, we know the story, but they don't actually read the story. It's like, oh yeah, I kind of know it. Uh, don't raise your hand if that's you. But you don't actually hear it. You don't read it. And you can almost guarantee most people that don't know the Lord are not going to read it. It's like, oh, I see a nativity. Yeah, I know it's about Jesus. I don't re-. But they're not necessarily going to do it. That's why I love our Christmas drive through is because you actually get to hear the Christmas story as you're driving through. And uh, you have no idea. That's the word of God. God's word has a way of penetrating into our hearts that human words just don't do. So, uh, and, and yes, I know we got inflatables. I mean, it's not huge. We, we're using all the space that we can possibly use, right? And, uh, and you can get the word of God. And it doesn't just end at the uh, manger. How many of you know it goes all the way to the cross? So invite your friends, invite your family to be able to come see it. Uh, don't just assume people know. Uh, that's why, like I said, it's so important. We want to tell people about Jesus. We want to tell about his story because his story is the one that changes. Amen. So, uh, uh, as many of you know, even if you don't know, I'm going to let you know, we have in the Bible four accounts of the life of Jesus out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, as we get into it, only, uh, Matthew and Luke are the only two that actually give the, uh, the Christmas story, the narrative that we're going to be talking about today, and eventually I'm going to get into that. Uh, but I want to cover real quick the other one. Mark doesn't really say a whole, doesn't say anything about the Christmas story. It starts out like this: uh, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and then he just like jumps right into John the Baptist. He doesn't talk about angels. He doesn't talk about Mary or Joseph, wise men, shepherds. None of that stuff. So he's just like, it's actually the smallest gospel. It's uh, very concise, and he just starts at the beginning right there. Uh, John is a little bit different, and, and we've been covering. If you haven't been here for the last two weeks, or maybe you missed one, I would encourage you to go online, and we actually have a podcast now. I have no idea how to find it, but uh, we'll give you information to that, and uh, it's very concise. Have, does anybody listen to podcasts? So you can actually listen to it now, and, and it's just a sermon, so we are getting so high-tech. Watch out, guys. Uh, but what John does, he doesn't tell us what happened. He doesn't tell us the narrative of the story. He basically tells us why it happened. How many of you know, if you just hear the story, it's like, okay, well, why did God do that? Why did God send his son? Why did he have to become a baby? Jesus tells us exactly why that happens. And then he doesn't tell us what happened. He tells us why it happened. And he says this in verse 14, the word talking about God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? And it says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling amongst us. So like I said, instead of telling the birth story, he tells people, listen, God came to the earth in human form. And uh, if you remember, John is a very old man now. Uh, this was probably around 90 A.D. or so. He's seen all kinds of destruction, all kinds of persecution, the death of everybody that, that he knew, all of the other disciples. And he wants people to know that in case you don't get it, listen, God came to earth, he revealed himself in Jesus, and he made his dwelling, he lived amongst us. 
And so he says other things like this out of verse 9. He goes, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was basically letting people know, listen, that first, and it wasn't called Christmas. There was no such thing as that. But the day Christ came to the earth, he was saying, listen, I'm bringing everybody a gift. And not just for that generation, that's every generation. Amen. That's how amazing that gives up. He, he's giving light to our lives. And I've been thinking about this. We've been talking about it the last uh, few weeks that darkness, we live in a very dark world right now, am I right? But how many of you know it's always been dark without God, right? Back at the time when Jesus first came, it was very dark, right? Even and when uh, Apostle John was writing this, it was still very dark. And you go throughout the generations. Remember there was a time uh, that they called the Dark Ages, and then there was the Renaissance, you know. How many of you know there was still some real big perversion and uh, darkness that was going on there? Uh, we've always lived in darkness, right? And the only light has always been Jesus. He's the only one that has brought light in this dark world. Without Jesus, then darkness rules over all. Today, we're still in it. Good news. Jesus came into the world to be a light for you and I. He's come to light us up. You may be in a very dark place in your life. I, I don't know where everybody is at, but I do know everybody's going through their own stuff. Am I right? Everybody's going through their own challenges, family things, health crises, uh, financial struggles, whatever it is. We all have that dark time, but Jesus is here to bring light to your darkness. And as I've been thinking about this, it's like coming into the light. When, God, when you accept that gift of God's light, how many of you know it changes everything in you? Like I still remember when I did not serve God, I'd heard about Christ, I'd heard about, I mean, I'd, I'd visited churches here and there, so I kind of had an idea, but it wasn't until I really gave my life to the Lord that all of a sudden everything started making sense. You guys remember those, those times? It was like, how did... I mean, I've like asked myself this over years. How did I not see this before? And, and it was one of those light bulb moments. How many of you have you had that? When you come to Christ, it's like all of a sudden, all of this stuff makes sense. Like even if you've read the Bible before, how many of you know the Bible can... It, it can mean nothing to you if, not, if you don't have the light on the inside of you. It's like it's words, oh man, that Bible, that's so boring, I don't know if I can get through that. But once you have the light of Christ in you, all of a sudden the things in life begin to make sense, and you're like, whoa, again, how did I not see this before? Like, how was I so blind? And it's because I didn't have the light. It's like trying to read a book in the dark, you can't do it, can you? You got to have the light of Christ on the inside of you. And the things that John's gospel talks about, it's very, very personal. He's not talking about generalities. Look at, look at verse 12, what he says. It goes, to all. Everybody say all. all. Are you included in that all? Yes. yes, you are. To all receive him. All that receive him, to those who believe in his name. And I'm just going to stop right there because... Uh, there is a difference between, between believing in and believing that. And, and I'm going to use this little chair as, a, as an example. There's a lot of people that believe 
that the gospel. They believe that God is real. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he came to the cross. And, uh, but that's not what John's talking about. When he says believe in, there's a big difference. And I've got, I think I've got to think. Believing in versus believing that. And so I can look at this chair and say, you know what? Looks like a pretty sturdy chair. I believe that that chair can hold my weight. I believe that if I sat down in that chair, then it's not going to collapse. It's not one of those trick chairs. There's, you know, all the legs seem to be sturdy, and I could stop right there. But John is not saying, believe that. He says, believe in. And the, and the Greek words that are in there literally means to put your weight upon. How many of you know there's a difference when I actually sit in? And, and I'm like, I'm not just saying I believe that. I'm believing in. And that's the same thing with, with God. There's a lot of people, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe all of that stuff happened, but they've not yet believed in. They've not let yet put their faith in and their trust in because it's easy to say, I trust that chair, but you've got to actually show it. Do you really trust God? And so he says this, to all who receive him, who believe in, put their full weight upon his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen. Isn't that good? When you put your weight and your trust and your hope and all of your cares, you know, he says, put your cares upon me. Why? Because he cares for you. All right? Sometimes we're like, oh, I've got to carry this. I've got to carry my own cares. No, God is saying, you can carry it, but trust me. Believe in me, and then you can put it on him. Amen? So uh, he says, all who received him, they have the right to become the children of God. So John is giving us that why, not just the what. He's not just telling the story. He's giving us the background, and he's showing how this story is very personal. He wants us to understand the purpose and the reason that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And this is, uh, this is foundational. That, that, like I said, that's the why behind this birth uh, narrative. And uh, I don't want you to miss that. The why behind the what is so important. And he closes towards the end of this gospel. And, and we shared this verse a couple of weeks ago. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He wanted us to know that story that actually happened. That, that God came in a human body, and the purpose of all of it, the purpose of the whole uh, story, the shepherds, the angels, the uh, uh, virgin birth, all of that is so that you and I could have a personal, one-on-one -on -one relationship with the God uh, of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And, and listen, the Old Testament it's, he almost seemed like a God that was unknowable. How do, how do we approach him? See, they really couldn't, you know, the scripture says in Hebrews, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, right? You couldn't do that in the Old Testament because there was no payment for our sin. There was a, there was a barrier called sin that kept us from getting into his presence. So he's saying, listen, I want you to come in. And listen, it is true that God so loved the world. Do you guys agree with that? But it's more than that. It's that God so loved you and you and you and you and you. Point to all of it and me. And if you're watching online, God so loved you. It's not that Jesus died. He did die for the sins of the world, but he wanted us to know that he died for your sin. 
what you did, your disobedience, your rebellion. And, and so it's this whole idea, and you may have heard this before, a personal Savior. I've heard people say, well, the Bible doesn't say personal Savior, uh, but he does say Savior, so it may not be biblical, but the idea is that our God that we serve is so personal that he came specifically for you and for me. Isn't that good? The idea that, that God is so personal is very powerful, and that's what John wanted us to all know, that, that he came for all of us, but most importantly, don't forget that he came for you. He came for you. I, I just cut off the end of that verse. These are written that you may believe. So I don't always do this, but point to a neighbor and say that you, right? You would believe. If you're watching online, point to yourself, I guess, right? So uh, here, here's the cool thing about the Christmas story. And, and listen, I get it. This is why it's important because John, James, Peter, Andrew, you know, all of those disciples that followed Jesus... It literally took them three years to finally figure this all out. All right, they're following Jesus, and they just keep waiting for Jesus to do something that he never intended to do. That was never, he took them three years to figure out that this man that they're following has actually come into the world to be the son. Of, he is the son of God. He's the savior of the world, not just the savior of Israel. It, it took, they had the wrong agenda. They're following him. Listen, they literally followed him for the wrong agenda. And why is that important for us? Because I think sometimes we follow Jesus with the wrong agenda. Ooh, I know. Yeah, think about that. And it's like, we want Jesus to be this in our life. I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. And we have the agenda for God when the reality is God is the one that sets the agenda for us. We can't, we can't sidestep that. And John wants us to understand that Jesus did not come to be a cultural hero. Oh God, our culture is crazy. Can you come and fix it? That's not why he came. He didn't come just to heal people. I know, man, we, and we do believe God heals, right? We, we pray that, but that's not the only reason he's here. It, his reason for being and coming is to be a savior, to be the savior of the world, a personal, one-on-one, -on -one, you and Jesus kind of God. Not some vague mist in the sky that I don't know. No, God wants to have relationship with you and I on a personal basis. And listen, if the Apostle John were here today, he would ask us this question, do you believe? Do you believe? And more than that, do you, do you believe that or do you believe in? Do I believe that God is all those things or have I put my trust in? Have I put my full weight in? That's the question. So I'm going to get into the gospel here. Uh, I told you I was going to read the Christmas story, but I wanted to kind of set that up there first for us to understand uh, these different accounts of the gospel. But I'm going to bounce back and forth from Luke and Matthew because both of them tell a portion of the birth narrative. And uh, one tells uh, some parts of it, the other tells some parts of it. But how many of you know there's probably some parts of it that there's no written account? So don't think, oh man, does this contradict that? No, they're just telling a portion of it. But let's look at Luke. Basically, Luke starts out, he was not there. But if you read the very first few verses out of Luke, he's like, he's interviewing, he's, he's getting all of these stories. He wants to put it down because he knew people need to hear the story. So I'm going to start out in verse 26. 
It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And who knows what that virgin's name is? Ah, see, you guys are so good, right? The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I don't know about you, but I can read through Scripture sometimes and not really imagine what that was like. But can you imagine you're just doing your daily whatever that you're doing, and all of a sudden an angel pops up and appears to you and starts talking to you? Uh, Anybody else going to be afraid? Like, what? (laughs) You know, it's not every day. Let me just say this. If you see angels every day, you're probably doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Okay, because that's not a everyday kind of thing that just happens. It's a very unusual, very uh, supernatural thing that happens. So this angel pops up and says, hey, you're highly favored. The Lord's with you. And, and then it says this, Mary was greatly troubled. Of course she was. At his words, what kind of greeting is this? Like, what are you talking about? What, what is going on here? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child. Uh, I do want to set this because we have Jesus. How many of you know this is obviously an English translation? When uh, Mary heard the angel speak, how many of you know she did not hear the word Jesus? That was not the name that she heard. Uh, I'm just kind of, I don't want to get into the whole translations of the Bible. Uh, initially, all of the Gospels were actually nor- and written in uh, Hebrew. Then they were translated into Greek. And then they were translated into Latin. And then, you know, other languages through there eventually got translated into English. But if you go back, even the Greek word is a translation of the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is actually what we would say in English, Joshua. Or if you go into Hebrew, because Hebrew does not have uh, J's, so it was Yeshua. How many of you have heard that before? Jesus is Yeshua. That is the Hebrew name Joshua. As the Joshua in the Old Bible, as the Old Testament, is Joshua my son, right? And it means God is deliverance. So that is what she heard whenever the angel says that you're going to name him Jesus. Now, we still call him Jesus. We're not going to start singing uh, to Joshua so uh, don't think that, I, that we're getting weird here because that is the English translation. There's nothing wrong with that. In Spanish, who knows the, the Spanish translation of that name? Jesus, right? And uh, so uh, other languages have different translations, so there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to understand what the root of that name that Jesus was called was Joshua. It's important in this story. We're going we're gonna to talk about that uh, in a couple of minutes, but let's move on. Verse 32, the angel still talking to Mary. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. Now, if you think about this, this is similar to what King David was told by God many, many, many years before that there will always be somebody on the throne of your descendant. And obviously, if you know history, it had been many years since there had been a king in Israel. They'd been under Roman oppression for some time. And let me just say, there's never been another king from David's line over Israel other than Jesus. So uh, this was a fulfillment. And uh, so we're going to, that's the end of Luke right there. We're going to jump to Matthew real quick. 
Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. And it says, His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, which means before they had any kind of relationship, we understand that, right? She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Right? Isn't that kind of a funny way of saying it? Because that means she was kind of in trouble. Like she's not married. She's not officially married yet. And, uh, you know, I know it looked like you've been putting on a little weight, Mary. You've been eating too many of them donuts or something. But how many of you know, there? Be, if you're a woman, how many of you know there is a point going, that, that you hit that you can't hide that you're pregnant? You can't just say, I ate too many cheeseburgers. It's like, no, no. You know, why, why are they all going right here? <laughs> right? Why is it all right there? So she was found, and everybody knew this had to happen before she was actually officially married. So that wasn't great news. I'm sure she wasn't going around saying, don't worry, uh, it, I'm, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon me. I wasn't actually with another man. How many of you know nobody would believe her? Like, sure you were, you know. Sure you were. We know how biology works, and that's not it, all right? So uh, verse 19, uh, Joseph, uh, I don't know if she told him the scripture doesn't say it, but he didn't believe it. Right? It says, Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He, he followed the laws of Moses. Uh, according to the law of Moses, if somebody is pregnant, if she was found pregnant, she could be killed. Right? Because she was like that. But it says he was a righteous man. He obviously loved Mary. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So in that day, they were... They were committed it's almost like an engagement but it was even more than that today uh back then if you were uh committed in that relationship you you were uh, considered as good as married but you couldn't live with them and you definitely couldn't have sexual relationship that didn't happen but it was like so he was going to divorce her he was going to put her away because uh this isn't real what's going on but verse 20 after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, notice that royal line that's mentioned there, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So whether she told him or not, there was confirmation right there. And, uh, you know, to his surprise, and I love what the angel says to her, she will give birth to a son, and you are going to give him the name Jesus. And again, guess what? What name did he hear? Yeshua, right? He didn't, they didn't hear Jesus. They heard uh, the Hebrew form of the name Joshua that was there. This is so important. If you don't know the history of Joshua, he's the one that led the Israelites into the promised land, uh, conquered all of the enemies there, and, and Israel was established as a kingdom. So it only makes sense that the Messiah would be the same kind of spirit of Joshua that's going to come and bring freedom and establish a new kingdom, right? So uh, that's the whole idea there. And uh, he's telling him, you're going to give him the name Jesus. And then it says, uh, because he will save his people. And I can imagine at this point, Joseph, like, I know what he's going to do. It, this, there wasn't no pause, but you can imagine, and he's an average Jewish man he understands if somebody is coming supernaturally born of the Holy Spirit and I'm supposed to give him the name Joshua, this great military conqueror, he, of course he's going to save his people 
He's going to deliver us from this Roman Empire. He's going to set us free. He's going to reestablish the throne of David. We're going to once again become this military power and uh, get rid of all of this Roman. We're going to be a great nation. And I don't know. I would be like, hey, listen, I get to be a part of it. What an amazing thing. I'm going to be able to be really not the biological father of, this, of the Messiah, but I'm going to get to raise him and see this take place. But guess what? The angel wasn't done. He says he's going to save his people from their sins. Their sin. And, and listen, we're thankful for that. How many of you are thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. I don't think Joseph fully understood that. Because you've got to imagine, they thought their greatest need was deliverance from Roman oppression. Because they already had a system to take care of their sins, right? They already had a system. They had the temple. They had the law of Moses. They had the sacrifices. And, and, and this didn't happen, but I can imagine Joseph like, you know what? That's, that's not really what we want. We've already got a system to take care of our sins. It's been established, the law of Moses. What we need is this military commander that will deliver us from our enemies. That's what they thought they need. And, and as you think about this story, this is a reality. Sometimes there is a disconnect from what we think we need to, uh, and what God knows we need. A lot of times we think we know what we need. Anybody else ever been there? You're praying, oh God, right? Give me, just give me the numbers to the lottery. You know, uh, if I could just win that once, I know that that would help everything. All right? You may not have prayed that. I know people have prayed that, but that's not what you need. But sometimes we may be in life, you know what, God? If I could just get this job, then I know that that's going to take care of my need. If I could just get this raise, if you could just fix this relationship, if you could cause that girl or that guy to like me that way, then, then that's going to fix everything. <laughs> exactly. We have a lot of ideas of what we think we need, but we have to realize God's the only one that knows what we really need. God's the only one that really knows what we need. And, and there's an aspect of surrender that you and I have to do in our life. And it's like, okay, God, I'm praying for this. Uh, anybody ever have God not answer one of your prayers of what you really needed? At least what you thought you needed? And, 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 and then later on, you thought, hey, thank God you didn't answer that prayer. That's happened. And it's like, God is so good that he's not going to just give us. We got, you know, our grandkids, I get to reference them all the time. You know, if it were up to them, they would eat donuts and candy all the time. Yeah, they would. <laughs> yeah, they would. So that's what her mom said. And, uh, and we know they want that. They think they need that. But how many of you know that's not what they really need? You know, every now and then, okay, have a donut, have a piece of candy, whatever. Uh, they need to eat protein. They need to eat their vegetables. They need to have all of the good stuff going in. Uh, sometimes we just want to come to God and we want the candy and donuts. Oh, God, I just need this. Make it jelly-filled, Lord God. <laughs> and God said, you don't need that. You think that's what you need. But can I really submit myself? Can I believe in and trust that God knows what I really need? And so Israel is at this point, and Joseph's at this point, like, I know what we need. Why, what do we need the Savior for sins for? Because we, we got that taken care of. No, they needed a Savior to really take care of their sin. Because if you read the Scripture, the animal sacrifices, all of that was all temporary. Eventually, they needed the perfect sacrifice that would come that would take care of our sin once and for all. And not just the penalty of our sin, but how many of you know the guilt of our sin? 
the guilt of our sins, so we don't have to carry that around anymore. So that's what we really need. Verse 24, Joseph wakes up from his dream, and look what it says. I love this. He did, exact, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home. Of course he did. How many of you, if an angel shows up and you know it's God and tells you to do something, even if it doesn't make sense, how many of you know we're doing it? Yeah. Right? Because that was not normal. That doesn't normally happen. So he did it. Uh, he married her. Let's switch back to Luke. And time goes by. Other people can tell that she's pregnant, hadn't had a wedding, all kinds of murmur, gossiping probably going on. Uh, again, she probably didn't tell a whole lot of people because who's going to believe that crazy story? And then in uh, uh, chapter 2, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus, we talked about him last week, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. And again, let me just kind of back up from last week. Caesar Augustus, he was the first Roman emperor. Basically, that's another word. He was the Roman king, like he was in charge of everything. Uh, and you're like, well, what about, the C what about Julius Caesar? Well, that was his uncle. He was murdered by the Senate. Then revenge was taken on the Senate. That, at that time, Rome was a republic, kind of like our country. We have a Senate. We have a Congress. It would be like if a president came in got murdered by the, the Congress or Senate, and then the next president says, I'm getting rid of the Congress and Senate, I'm going to rule this by myself. That's what Caesar Augustus, he's like, I'm not playing with no Senate anymore, that didn't work out well, and so now he's the first Roman emperor in charge of everything, and he's like, he, by the you know, encouragement of his people, we need to get a census of the entire nation. We need to know what, how many people are in the Roman world and this is so miraculous because the very first census, all of that stuff got set up in order to fill a biblical prophecy that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. was written six, seven hundred years prior to that. And, and here's Mary. Uh, well, let me just finish reading that. They went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee uh, to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So think about this. She's probably eight plus months being pregnant. And, and anybody ever figure out how far Nazareth was to Bethlehem? It's, it's a considerable distance. It's not like, you know, I'm going to walk over to El Dorado Hills. Here's a map. I pulled it up on Google Maps. 93 miles, this is where he was with his eight-month-plus pregnant wife. I don't know, anybody walked 93 miles lately? You know, the Bible doesn't even say that she was on a donkey, even though we kind of depict that. I don't know, eight months walking 93 miles, riding on the back of a donkey 93 miles, in the back of a, a cart going along bumpy roads 93 miles. I don't think any of it sounds good. And I'm not even a woman. How many of you women that have been pregnant, you understand like, uh, no. <laughs> and, and then this conversation didn't happen, but this is kind of where my mind goes like, oh, come on, Mary, you know, this is going to be the Savior. And the Bible says he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. I know you're eight plus months pregnant. Hop on the donkey. We're going 93 miles. And, nope, not going to happen. But then all of a sudden, this Caesar Augustus issues a decree. They don't have a choice. 
They got to make the trip. And so they made that trip 93 miles. Like I said, I believe it was there to fulfill that Old Testament prophecy. God was working that. So many more as I could have covered on that, but I'm, I'm going to move on. Verse 6, it says, while they were there at Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. And uh, then there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock. Again, think about it. We got our little shepherd scene out there. Why shepherds? Why would, why would God make that first announcement to shepherds? Because you may not realize that we're like, oh, shepherds are taking care of sheep and looks fun. They were actually the only people that were always ceremonially unclean to enter the temple. They were never able to enter in because their job was working with sheep. And how many of you know if you're around a bunch of sheep, you're stepping in a whole lot of sheep stuff? Let me just put it that way. And if you're touching that, you are ceremonially unclean. You are excluded. You're, they were really the lower class people of that society. And God chose to show himself to this group that seemed least likely to be a part of something so holy. Amen? Amen. And it says, And the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they were. We're out there watching our sheep. It's dark at night. You know, what's that noise? And all of a sudden, this bright light shows up. Uh, Again, have you noticed everybody's terrified in the Christmas story? (laughs) Did you ever notice that? It's like, you know, when angels start showing up all over the place, people are going to be scared, right? Uh, That just doesn't normally happen. But it says, but the angel, I like how they always comfort. Don't be afraid. Uh, modern day translation, calm down. All right? Can you imagine the angel showing up? Just calm down, relax a little. But he says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all, all people. Right? Not just Israel, but for all people. And this is what he tells them. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? You. To you. He is the Messiah. See, there's that personal aspect right there the angel showed up and said hey you guys you shepherds that are always excluded that are lower class that nobody thinks about a savior has been born to you right he didn't go to the kings he didn't go to the rabbis he didn't go to upper class people he went to those that people would write off and he's saying listen you're included in this You're a part of this, and he is the Messiah, the one you've heard about your whole life, the one you've been waiting for. And and I love this. Here's how you're going to find him. This will be a sign to you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger because you can imagine. Here's the thing. These are thoughts that go through my head. Oh, okay, we're going to go into Bethlehem and find this. Does that mean we've got to knock on every door? Hey, you got a new baby in there? No, no, let me go to the next door. Hey, you got a new baby in there? No, next door. No, he says you're going to find him in this stable, basically a manger, a feeding trough. So all they had to do is go to the barns and listen for a crying baby. Where's the, and I know the song we sing, no crying. He made, how many of you believe that? He was a baby. He cried, right? He uh, was not potty trained from the beginning, right? How many of you know there was mess that happened because he was born in a human form. He was not a supernatural Marvel's hero baby. 
So all they had to do was go to the barns and find where there was a baby. So that had to be fairly easy. Bethlehem wasn't a huge town. And, and they found him. It says, and after they said that, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts, so instead of being the one angel, all of a sudden there's a bunch of them praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. And guess what? Those shepherds realized his favor must be upon us because he just revealed that to me. So after all of that event, they're no longer scared. They're excited. The angels left and gone back to heaven. The angels said to one another, let's go. <laughs> right? Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's check this out and let's see the thing that has happened. It was an event that has split history, hasn't it? Something amazing happened that day. And listen, what you need to know, if you're not a Christian, we have four accounts of the gospel of this carpenter from Nazareth. Why? Because there was something powerful, something earth-changing that happened. Something that, that is so important that, that was recorded. And listen, before there was a printing press, guess how it was recorded? It was written hand-to-hand, hand copies. People wrote it. They passed it down. It was a, something that happened that was so precious that literally over the centuries, there have been people that have lost their life trying to make sure that what happened back then was available to us today. Right? Oh, you're copying that down? It doesn't make any sense to me. Why did people try to kill people that were talking and translating this? I believe it was the enemy thinking, I'm going to squish this. Right? I'm going to put what happened then is going to fade into history. Nobody's going to know about it. But it was something so important that happened that, that we're here today talking about it 2,000 plus later. That God came to the earth in the form of a baby. It was such a big deal. And even though these shepherds were nobodies, the story was recorded, protected, cherished, so that we would hear it today. And I want to say this because I really believe this. I hear, you know, oh, you know, church attendance is down here and this is that happening. How many of you know the world wants to project doom and gloom? Oh, yeah, people are. But I want to tell you, the church is not fragile. Christianity is not fragile. Uh, there have been nations, there have been kingdoms that have tried to shut it out. North Korea, oh, we're not going to have the gospel here. How many of you know the gospel is still alive and well in North Korea? Right? No matter how many people have died, no matter how many threats that have happened, China tried to shut it out, you know, 50-something years ago, 60, I don't know. It's been a while. And, and now the church is growing like a weed there. So no matter how much darkness tries to put the light out, it's not going to happen. And if we look in our world today and it's like, oh man, sometimes it seems like darkness is winning, doesn't it? It seems like culture that is going is so unbiblical and it's, it's overriding things. But I want to tell you, the kingdom is not going not to go out. The light is not going to go out because it's not based on what we do. It's based on something that already happened. Christ came into this world and, and listen, the light cannot extinguish it. I mean, the darkness cannot extinguish it. Sorry. So... Uh, so anyway, they're like, let's go to Bethlehem and see. And they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And uh, when they had seen them, I love this, these uh, shepherds who are supposed to be watching sheep. You're not supposed to be going into Jeru or Bethlehem, 
What are you doing? They got this amazing message from these angels. They found it to be true. And it says they spread the word concerning what had been told about them. And all who heard it were amazed at what happened to them. It was an amazing story that happened. But then, this is a a really important birth narrative right here. What did Mary do? Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them where? In her heart. She wasn't going around telling everybody because, again, she's got the most unbelievable story anybody's ever heard. Like, what? But all of those things, confirmations. We talked, you know, several days, about a month later, they were in the temple and got a word from Simeon the prophet and Anna the prophetess. And, and so all of those things are confirmations in Mary's life. And about 33 years later, we know that Mary watched her firstborn son die on a cross. A few days after that, she was one that would peer into an empty tomb and eventually be embraced by her resurrected son. Amen? A resurrected son who she knew without a doubt was exactly what the angels foretold. He was the savior of the world. She had no doubt. Matthew did his best to write it down because something happened. Luke would do his best. He wanted, he wanted some kind of an order. But it would be John, the one who took care of Mary, that summarized the whole Christmas story, the whole gospel the best. And you think about it with John, that here he is, an old man, years later, sitting down by himself, writing this down, realizing, listen, this, what happened has to survive me. It has to go on beyond me. And he comes up with a way to summarize it, and he would write, he would write these words inspired by the Holy Spirit that many of you guys can have probably memorized all over the world. Kids, little kids memorize this. But he summarizes the story this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever what? Notice that word again. Believes in. Not believes that. Whosoever. Oh, I believe that that happened. I believe in God. I've been to church. I got a Bible. You know, I celebrate. No, not believe that. But whosoever believes in, puts their full weight in, puts their whole trust in, will what? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you imagine if God gave you those words to pen? Like, I don't know if John even imagined 2,000 years ago later that people can quote that, those words that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. And listen, he didn't stop there. How many of you know, there's a verse 17. Most people don't memorize that one. For God did not send, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? Save Save the world through him. And listen, I'm not going to, I want to encourage you maybe later, read verses 18 through 21, because they're just as powerful as well. But I think the question we need to ask ourselves is how, how can I be saved? You know, you may be here, you may be saved, you may be watching online, maybe you're not. Maybe if you were at the point like, man, you know what, if I were to die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I'm not, I, I've believed that for a long time. I've believed that Jesus is the Son of God. I've believed all of that stuff, but have you believed in? Have you surrendered in and given your life to Him and putting your full trust in Him? How can I be saved? 
Romans 10.13 says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. What does that mean to call upon Him? If, if you back that verse up a couple, it means if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, guess what? You will be saved. It, it's not a matter of, oh man, I've got to be a member of the church. I've got to do this. I've got to jump. No. It's putting your trust fully in who He is. I want to give you that opportunity today because I don't know where everybody is. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you've been here going to church a long time and you've always believed that, but you've not really put your trust in. There really is a gap that is there. I think there's a lot of people that go to church that believe that. But have you made that cross to where you said, no, I want to believe in? I'm, I'm ready to settle down in and put my trust in Him, in all things, in my finances, in my relationships, in my eternity, then we got to make that confession of faith to Him. So I'm just going to lead you guys in a prayer. Maybe if you're online watching, you can let us know. But if you're here today uh, and you say, listen, I want to make sure that my faith is in Him. I don't want to be fooled that you know, I was just looking from the outside, looking in. I want to make sure that I'm in. Amen? It's always better to be in than out. A lot of people looking in, but it takes a simple surrender. So if you can say this prayer with me, if that's you today, saying, listen, I want to make a fresh commitment, maybe it's a recommitment to Him, then uh, let's just repeat this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving me even when I didn't deserve it and still don't deserve it but you sent your son not just to come into the world but to die on that cross for my sin so today Lord I surrender my life and I believe in you I place my trust in Jesus, in your name, amen, amen. Listen, if you believe that, if you put your faith in him, uh, the Bible says that your name just got written into a book of glory, amen? That means that you are saved. So let's live our life. As we were praying over this, I really felt like we needed to close this day with this uh, song uh, Pastor Timothy, they started bleeding it maybe a few months ago, but I think it's such a great declaration. So let's sing this song as a declaration, and I hope it's an encouragement for you too. And listen, if you're up here, if you need prayer, if you need prayer for any reason, if you need to be touched in your body, if you want to tell somebody, hey, listen, I made a commitment to Christ today, or whatever it is, come up to one of these and we will pray for you and believe in God is God of all things. He can meet that need. Amen? Amen. So let's sing this to him today. Come to the table.
Be blessed. 